Welcome to the 20-Minute Bible Study, a teaching podcast from Faith on Hill Church in Milwaukee, Oregon. My name's Adam. I'm the pastor at Faith on Hill. And while I put 20 minutes on the timer, why don't you open your Bibles to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 17. Well, with 20 minutes on the timer, King David is on the run. You might remember from previous episodes, his son Absalom had murdered his half-brother Amnon. And it was understandable why Absalom did it. And you can go back to previous episodes to see what had gone on there. But he had been restored and returned to Jerusalem. He had uh, been in exile, but but restored uh, to relationship with his father, could live in Jerusalem, the whole thing. But that wasn't enough for him. And so over the next several years, he sort of began to politic and make deals and get people to owe him favors and ingratiate himself with the leaders of the land and uh, sort of built his name and his reputation up. And then he launched a coup against his father, David. And David heard, your son has proclaimed himself king and he is coming with his forces. And David wasn't ready for such a thing. So he had to flee Jerusalem, his capital, and take his family with him and all his wives and children and get going. On his way out, there, was those who, there were those who were loyal to David, including the priests. But David told the priests, no, go back to the temple or to the, to the tabernacle that's in Jerusalem and serve God there. And when the time comes, you'll know what to do. And then this other fellow uh, comes to David and says, hey, you know, I, uh, his name was Hushai the Archite. And he says, I'm still with you. And he says, no, go back and uh, tell, tell Absalom that you're loyal to him and then report to the priests what's going on and they will send messengers to me. So you can be my guy on the inside. Now David has fled Jerusalem and Absalom is coming to the city. It says in chapter 16, verse 15, Absalom and all his men of Israel came to Jerusalem and Ahithophel was with him. Now Ahithophel was, was like, he was a super uh, respected guy. Um, Henry Kissinger is probably a, a, an example. Henry Kissinger um, was the Secretary of State under Nixon. It was uh, Kissinger who opened up diplomatic relations with China. Um, even after Watergate, everybody still respected Kissinger. And presidents from, uh, you know, Reagan to Bush uh, to Bush II to even Obama, Kissinger would like secretly show up uh, to the White House, even under Obama. And, and, and here, the Secretary of State under Nixon, the guy who was there at Watergate, Kissinger would show up and they still listened to him. He was a guy that they still asked questions to and they'd bring him in to consult and, and give advice. Ahithophel was kind of like that level of statesman. He's super respected. Uh, he, he's a guy that people listen to and he shows up and it gives credibility to Absalom's coup. But also Absalom has this great thinker and, and, and strategist with him. And then it says in verse 16 that Hushai the Archite, that's King David's Magai, King David's confidant, went to Absalom and said to him, long live the king, long live the king. And Absalom said to Hushai, so this is the love you show your friend? If he's your friend, why didn't you go with him? Speaking of King David. And Hushai said to Absalom, no, the one chosen by the Lord, by the people, by all the men of Israel, his I will be and I will remain with him. So what he is saying is, I served the king of Israel chosen by God. And he's saying Saul was the king, and then God chose your father. And if God's choosing you, then that's who I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve whoever God chooses and whoever the people choose. Furthermore, 
Whom shall I serve? Should I not serve the son, just as I served your father, so shall I serve you? And Absalom said to Ahithophel, Give us your advice, what shall we do? And Ahithophel said, Sleep with your father's concubines, whom he left to take care of the palace. So David had taken his wife, his children with him, but he had left a handful of his concubines, yes, exactly what you think they are, and he had left them to kind of take care of the palace while he was gone. And Ahithophel said, Sleep with your father's concubines, And then all of Israel will hear that you've made yourself obnoxious to your father and the hands of everyone who is with you will be more resolute. So basically he's saying, they are going to hear how bold you are being, how defiant to your father, how confident you are that you are going to rule and reign in Jerusalem. And if you do this, it's a public message. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the roof and he slept with his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. It's unclear to me, is this tent just a sunshade and, and people could uh, see what was going on? Now, the roof of the palace would be higher than any other. Um, so it's possible that the tent was, was four walls and covered and they could just see the gals going into the tent and coming out and they knew what was going on and maybe they could hear the sounds uh, that was going on, um, but, but they couldn't see it. Or it was done in such a way that anyone who was on the roof had full view of this so that they could confirm that it had happened. Unclear. Terrible no matter what. These women were raped. Let's just call it what it is. They didn't, you know, there was, there was the power dynamics and the way things are structured. There was no consent happening here. This is really, really terrible. He is raping the mothers of his half-brothers and sisters in a bid to get power. So he does this, verse 23, in those days the advice of Ahithophel was like that of one who inquires of God. This is how both David and Absalom regarded Ahithophel's advice. So basically, Ahithophel was considered so wise that nobody questioned his advice. And, and he says to Absalom, hey, go sleep with these women. And Absalom goes, sounds good to me. And so he does it. Then Ahithophel said to Absalom, I would choose 12,000 men and set out tonight to pursue David. I would attack him while he is weary and weak. And we know from previous chapters that he is weary and weak. I would strike him with terror and then all the people with him will flee. I would strike down only the king and then bring all the people back to you. The death of the man you seek will mean the return of all. All the people will be unharmed. This plan seemed good to Absalom and the elders of Israel. But Absalom said, summon Hushai the archite so that we can hear what he has to say as well. Absalom saying, hey, I, I like what you're saying, but I want to get a second opinion. Hushai replied to Absalom, the advice that Ahithophel has given you is not good at this time. You know your father and his men. They are fighters. They are fierce as a wild bear robbed of her cubs. Beside your father is an experienced fighter. He will not spend the night with his troops. Even now he is hidden in a cave or some other place. So if you should attack the troops first, whoever hears about it will say there's been a slaughter among the troops who follow Absalom. Then Even the bravest soldier whose heart is like the heart of a lion will melt with fear for all Israel knows that your father is a fighter and those that are with him are brave. So I advise you this, verse 11, let all Israel from Dan to Beersheba as numerous as the sand of the seashores be gathered to you and you yourself lead them into battle. Then we will attack him wherever he may be found and he will fall as, uh, and, and we will fall on him as dew settles on the ground. Neither he nor any of his men will be left alive. If he withdraws into a city, then all Israel will bring ropes to that city and we will drag it down to the valley until not so much as a pebble is left. 
And Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the advice of Hushai the Archite is better than the advice of Ahithophel. See what he is doing here. He's advising Absalom to attack, because remember, he's like a double agent. But he is buying time for David, because David is weak. David is weary. David's not ready to fight yet. He's buying time for David. But it sounds good. Hey, we're going to get together. We're going to do these things. We're going to be big and glorious. And it's going to, and it, you know, kind of Absalom's going to lead us. And it kind of builds up his ego. You're the one who will do it. And so they said, hey, that sounds even better. So um, in verse 15, it says, Hushai told Zadok and Abathar, the priests, Ahithophel has advised Absalom and the elders of Israel to do such and such, but I have advised them to do so and so. Now send a message at once and tell David, do not spend the night in the fords in the wilderness, cross over without fail, or the king and all the people with him will be swallowed up. So he buys the time, gets the message, David, get going. Jonathan and Haimaz were staying at Enrogel, and a female servant was to go and inform them, and then they were to go and tell David, for they not, could not be risk being seen entering the city. But a young man saw them and told Absalom. So two of them left at once for the house of a man in Barim, and he had a well in the courtyard, and they climbed down into it. And his wife took a covering and spread it over the opening of the well and scattered grain over it. So no one knew anything about it. And when Absalom's men came to the woman of the house, they said, Where is Ahimaaz and Jonathan? And she answered, They crossed over the brook, and the men searched but found no one, so they returned to Jerusalem. After they had gone, the two climbed out from the well and went to inform King David. And they said to him, Set out and cross the river at once. Ahithophel has advised such and such against you. So David and all the people set out and crossed the Jordan, and by daybreak no one was left who had not crossed the Jordan. When Ahithophel saw that his advice had not been followed, he saddled his donkey and set out for his hometown, and he put his house in order, and then he hanged himself, so he died and was buried in his father's tomb. So what's going on there is that Ahithophel realizes that he is not, his advice isn't being followed. And he realizes that Hushai, who he, he's a smart guy, he's figured out Hushai is probably working for David is being listened to, and he's realized that Absalom will fail in his attempt to get the kingdom, and David will come back, and Ahithophel, he's going to die. David's going to kill him for having betrayed him. So he gets his affairs in order, he sets up everything, and then he goes and kills himself. Now, is that good? No. He could have, there's things he could have done. He could have gone to David and repented. He could have uh, lived his life as best he could and just seen what had happened and trusted in God's mercy. He could have fled the country. Instead, he ended his own life. Recently, not anybody anybody here would know, but somebody I knew, I saw that they were pregnant just a month away from delivering their first child, and, and, and then it says her husband had died. And, and you know the wording. At this point, you know the wording in a social media post when somebody has killed themselves, but the family's not ready to talk about it. It's such a tragic thing. Suicide is not the unpardonable sin. If you have a loved one who committed suicide, but they loved Jesus, you need to know that that sin is forgiven. Suicide is not the unpardonable sin, but it is a sin there's no coming back from. There are many, many sins that we commit and there are consequences, but then God brings us and redeems us and brings us back and has plans for us the rest of our lives. You can't come back from suicide. Ahithophel said, I can't trust in the redemption of God. And he killed himself. That's the tragedy, is that he didn't let God have a chance to redeem him. 
That's the tragedy. He robbed his family of time with him. He, he, he said, I don't trust God's work. Verse 24, so David went to Manaheim, and Absalom crossed the Jordan with all the men of Israel, and Absalom had appointed Amasa over the army in place of Joab, and Amasa was the son of Jethir, the Ishmaelite, who had married Abigail, the daughter of Nahash, the sister of Zurai, the mother of Job. Then the Israelites and Absalom captured, camped in the land of Gilead. And when David came to Manaheim, Shobi, son of Nahash, from Rabbah of the Ammonites, and Machir, son of Emil of Lodabar, and Barzea, the Gileadite from Rogalim, brought bedding and bowls and articles of pottery, and they brought wheat and barley and flour and roasted grains and beans and lentils, honey and curds and sheep and cheese from cow's milk for David and his people to eat. For they said, the people have become exhausted and hungry and thirsty in the wilderness. So through these people, God provided blessing for the king. Sustenance, refreshment. Some people are called to go out and fight the battles, and some people are called to support and bless. And at different times in my life, I've been called to do one or the other. I've been called to go out, and I've been called to support. I've been called to bless, and I've been the receiver of blessing. And I think most of us could say that in our lives, that we have been different things at different points. We need to look for the times when God calls us to bless and give and the times when God tells us to go and fight. And in this moment, these, these people brought sustenance, refreshment to the king when he needed it. And they, I believe, were blessed by God for it. So David mustered all of his men, chapter 18, verse 1, who were with him and appointed them over commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds. And David sent out his troops and a third under the command of Joab, a third under Joab's brother Abishai, son of Zariah, and a third under Etai, the Gittite. And the king told the troops, I will surely march out with you. But the men said, you must not go out. If we are forced to flee, that they won't care about us. Even if half of us die, they won't care. You are worth 10,000 of us, and it would be better for you to uh, give us your support from the city. The king answered, I will do whatever seems best to you. And he's basically saying, hey, I'm going with you. And the guy's saying, like, no, you're good. Now, the king is not young. He's not ancient, but he's not young. As a young man, he would have gone out to fight. But they recognize also that they don't want to live under Absalom's rule. And if David dies, then Absalom gets the throne. So for themselves, they are protecting themselves by protecting the king. So the king stood beside the gate while all the march, men marched out in units of hundreds and thousands. And the king commanded Joab, Abishai, and Atai, be gentle with the young man Absalom for my sake. And all the troops heard the king giving orders concerning Absalom to each of the commanders. The king is saying, I'm not, I'm not going to have a vengeance, a blood, you know, a blood feud, a retribution. We're not going to go blindly and just go killing. There will be justice, but you know what? Hold off. David's march, army marched out of the city to fight Israel, and the battle took place in the forest of Ephraim. And the Israel's troops were routed by David's men, and the casualties that day were great, 20,000 men. The battle spread over the whole countryside, and the forest swallowed up more men that day than the sword. Meaning uh, more people died from just like you're running through a forest, and uh, you trip, and you break your leg, or... Um, and a beast gets you or, or you, you know, stuff happens. And it just like basically the forest itself, natural causes uh, were there as part of the battle. To me, the whole thing here is this. David's family is broken and the nation is broken because of David's sin. What sin? He took more than one wife. The king was not supposed to do that. 
He didn't, he didn't um, cause justice to happen to his son Ammon after Ammon raped Absalom's sister. David, even now with Absalom, is being soft as a parent. And I'm not saying, oh, parents need to be like, you know, beat up their kids and David should have Absalom killed, all that. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, is that David's sin of being passive, David's sin of taking more wives than he was supposed to, which is more than one, David's sin of building up things for himself, all of these things have come to lead to this great loss of life, this tragedy. What we do affects others. You know, when you, when you do ACES scores, and a lot of folks in our church are educators, ACES scores is a way that they like grade trauma in a student. Divorce is a high factor of childhood trauma. Divorce will traumatize your children and it will lead to your family. Now, should some people get divorced? Yes. There are situations where divorce is not only biblical, but it's the right thing to do for the safety of a family. But in general terms, it's a traumatic thing. Adultery is a traumatic thing. Abuse is a traumatic thing. Resentment and unforgiveness is a traumatic thing. And they affect others far beyond ourselves. As we sin, we don't just hurt ourselves, but we hurt others. And David's sin is now seeing the fruition of pain and suffering as 20,000 men die. Because David couldn't keep it in his pants. Something to think about. So then, verse 9, it says, Now Absalom happened to meet David's men, and he was riding his mule, and the mule went into the thick branches of a large oak, and Absalom's hair got caught in the tree, and he was left hanging in midair while the mule kept riding on. And one of the men saw what had happened, and he told Joab, I saw Absalom hanging in the oak tree. And Joab said to the men who had, uh, who had told him this, What? You saw him? Why didn't you strike him to the ground right then and there? I would have given you 10 shekels of silver and a warrior's belt. But the man replied, even a thousand shekels uh, were it to weigh out in my hand. I would not lay a hand on the king's son. In our hearing, the king commanded you and Abishai and Etai protect the young man Absalom for my sake. And if I, if I had put my life in jeopardy, nothing is hidden from the king. You would have kept your distance from me. And Joab said, I'm not going to wait like this for you. So he took three javelins in his hands and he went and he plunged them into Absalom's heart. And while Absalom was still alive in the oak tree and 10 of Joab's armor bearers surrounded Absalom and then struck him and killed him, likely with spears or swords. Then Joab sounded the trumpet and the troops stopped pursuing Israel for Joab halted them and they took Absalom and threw him into a big pit in the forest and piled a large heap of rocks over him. Meanwhile, all the Israelites fled to their homes. During his lifetime, Absalom had taken a pillar and erected it in the king's valley as a monument to himself, for he thought, I have no son to carry on the memory of my name. And he named the pillar after himself, and it's called Absalom's Monument to this day. So the people writing this book are saying, hey, there's still in our lifetime a monument in the Valley of the Kings, and that's what is called Absalom's Monument because he had erected it to himself and he had no heir. He had no one, no son to take the throne after him. There will be consequences for Joab's actions here. But the people flee because they were following Absalom and Absalom is gone. Whenever we place our faith in human leaders, human rulers, whether it's David or Absalom or whoever, the politician, a platform, an ideology, they will fail us. The only one who has conquered death is Jesus. Every other leader will die. The only one who has never sinned is Jesus. Every other leader will fall short. 
But Jesus is the one who will never fail us. Jesus is the one who will never let us down. I want to say thank you for joining us for another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study. New episodes are released on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You just have to search Faith on Hill, and you can subscribe to us there for all of our podcast content. Video versions are on our Facebook page. You can follow us at Faith on Hill on social media. We live stream our Sunday morning videos at 10.30 a.m. at faithonhill.com, and you can join us in person at 10.30 a.m. as we study the Bible together, worship God through song and prayer, and we have kids' church as well. Youth group is on Tuesday nights, and small groups meet throughout the week. My name's Adam. I want to thank you again for joining us for another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study. 